This is week uh, number six. Going to switch gears. We're in the book of James, ten Sundays, and uh, today we're going to begin with an old game used to play when the kids are younger. Who am I? Okay, so we'll uh, we'll let you guess along. I'm going to give you some clues here. Who am I? I am the fiercest, meanest little warrior on planet Earth. Who am I? I've started more wars, I've caused more divorces, I've motivated more murders than anything or anyone else in all of history. Not Satan, sorry. Uh, I've broken up more friendships, I've initiated more church divisions and splits, I've caused more hurts and heartache than anything else in the annals of history. Who, who am I? And yet, being this destructive, I'm a fearsome featherweight. Weighing in at less than three ounces on average. Who am I? And I am the human tongue. <laughs> there you go. Yep, Dan said, are you sure you want to put that thing up there? <laughs> yeah. That's actually one of the better tongues <laughs> that I was looking at. Two-ounce slab of muscle, mucous membrane, and nerves that enables us to chew, taste, swallow food, and articulate words. The most powerful, the most deadly muscle in our bodies is our tongues. Is our tongues. Okay? Uh, the power to praise, the power to curse, the power to show love, the power to show hate and tear down, the power to encourage and lift up, and also the power to rip people apart. In James chapter 1, Pastor James, the half-brother of Jesus, challenges us to be patient during times of testing and trouble. Matter of fact, he tells us, put it in the joy column. Anybody been putting stuff in the joy column recently? I, I say that out loud. I'm going to put this in the joy column right now. James chapter 2 pastor from the Jerusalem church, that's who James was, exhorts his scattered friends, don't just be hearers of the word of God, instead be what? Last couple weeks we've talked about, be doers. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And now, James chapter 3 says, the chief way that we become doers of the word of God is to learn to get a grip on our lip. If you're going to really be a follower of Jesus Christ, the chief way to become a doer of the Word of God is to grow up and mature and in God's power and grace get control of your tongue. Turn with me on your phone, in your Bibles, to the Sermon on the Mouth. Sermon on the Mouth, James chapter 3, if you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read out loud starting in verse 3, and we'll read down through verse 12. The Sermon on the Mouth. Let's read together. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. 
Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for the privilege of gathering to worship your son, Jesus. He's the king, the head, the ruler of your church, and we praise you. And thank you now that we get to open up your word together and talk today about words. And Lord, as we read what we just read uh, about the tongue, we recognize that all of us are capable of some really venomous and nasty words. Everybody standing today right now, we can quickly and unintentionally injure and destroy usually those who are closest to us. Usually, Lord, the ones who we say that we love the most. So would you help us to see clearly the warning that you inspired James to write down for us? Would you show us today from your book how we can begin to get victory in the area of our words. And right now, like we do every Sunday, Lord, we invite the third person of the Trinity to be welcome today in your church. Would you come take charge? (laughs) We drink streams of living water. We do that corporately as a family. We do that individually right now as well. We invite you. We slide off the throne. We slide away from the driver's seat and we invite your son Jesus. We invite your spirit to rule and reign in our lives right now. If we're going to hear from you, if we're going to understand what you have to say to us individually, personally, we need you, Lord, to come right now and take charge. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, James is telling us that even though our tongues are really small, they are mighty little beasts. They really are. Verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Turn the whole animal. A horse's bit weighs less than two pounds, but it's capable of directing and controlling a 2,000-pound horse. There's a bit, you know. 
two, three pounds, and yet it can turn a huge horse. Uh, just a little piece of metal can, can make that animal cooperate, just like a 200-pound man is controlled by two-ounce tongue. Looked it up. On average, our, our tongues are two to three ounces. A, a larger male will have a tongue three ounces, uh, females, smaller folks, two ounces. But two to three ounces is all that our tongues are made up of. Verse 4, take ships as an example. Although they are so large, driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot goes. Wherever the pilot goes. James talking here about ships and how do ships get steered. Uh, a ship of thousands and th tens of thousands of pounds is steered by a rudder or by a wheel that weighs less than 100 pounds. So, so just let that soak in. So, so this wheel or the rudder that that's attached to is literally controlled and is moving tens of thousands of pounds. It keeps the ship on course. It keeps the ship from crashing into other ships, from, from straying and crashing into rocks. Uh, that's what it's able to do. And here's his point, and it's our tongues, a small piece of muscle and membrane that keeps our lives on course, that, that is supposed to keep our marriages and our families and our friendships on track. Uh, or, if we're not watching carefully, give me your eyes, if we're not paying attention, can quickly destroy and scar, and permanently do lasting damage. That's what it's capable of. Both the bit of a horse, rudder of a ship, must be kept under firm control. If, you're, if you are riding that horse, and you're not watching, you can do great damage to yourself, to innocent bystanders, to the horse itself. If you're not watching out, you can do damage to a lot of people, and especially even to the horse, if you're not keeping a close uh, guard over where that horse is headed. And a ship that's being tossed around in a storm needs wise and firm hands to keep control. Or sometimes, even if there's not a storm, if you're not paying attention, you can destroy stuff. Ever been a part of a boat and somebody's not paying attention or they're, they're kind of a newbie with the boat and they bang into docks and they bang into uh, other boats? It, it can cause a lot of damage. Here's James' point. A tongue not guarded or watched can spew words that are every bit as damaging as a stampeding horse or a ship out of control actually more damage. You understand that? We think, no, I don't think, no. He's saying, beware, Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of a tongue. Got that? This is huge. Death and life are in the power of a tongue. Okay, I want you to turn to somebody, okay? Some of you are going to be a little shy here, but that's okay, okay? Uh, I, I want you to Point to your, your tongue right now and say, death and life are right here in this tongue. Okay, go ahead. Tell somebody, 
death and life. And then you can show them if you want. Stick your tongue out at them. Right here. In this, in this little two-ounce, little, little fiery, fearsome featherweight. Right? Or maybe yours is three-ounce. I don't know. But it's either two or three. Death and life are in the power of the, your tongue. It's true. Each of us should be walking around with a warning label right here, like a mustache on us. Warning, dynamite in the dentures. Warning, I can do great harm if I'm not watching myself. Okay, that, That's a warning for you, and, and hopefully it would be a warning for me. We don't realize how dangerous our mouths are until after we've said something careless. We, we usually, we're not thinking about this until reckless, harmful, critical, tearing down, angry, gossiping words come flowing out. I'm just telling you, we're, we're especially prone to harm with our words the people who are closest to us. That, that's the amazing thing. Oh, I love these people. I, I love my family. I love my children. I love my spouse. I love my friends, my co-workers. And then we destroy them with our words. When's the last time you spoke harsh, critical, negative, gossiping, ugly words and you knew you harmed somebody? Just think about it. It probably hasn't been that long for most of us. When you said something and you said, shouldn't have said that, and now you're wishing you could take it back, but, but once you say it, it's too late. James continues on. He's not done yet. Verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consequently, what a great forest is set on fire is set on fire by a small spark. Verse 6. The tongue also is a fire, a world among evil, among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Um, late one evening, my uncle Pat, I was probably eight or nine years old, was watching Johnny Carson on TV like he did most nights. And he fell asleep on the couch while smoking um, his cigarette. And one of those hot ashes fell on the living room couch. When he awoke, he was startled because the couch was on fire. Uh, he ran and he tried to put out the flames, but he was unsuccessful. And pretty soon, the entire couch and the whole side of the living room is now on fire. He realizes this isn't going to go out, so now he goes, wakes up his wife, my Aunt Nancy, wakes up uh, the daughter who slept on the ground floor, uh, and the fire just kept growing. And as my Aunt Nancy and my cousin Mary Ann are, are screaming, they recognize there's two little boys upstairs uh, that need to be rescued. So my Uncle Pat races upstairs. Uh, he's got an infant and a two-year-old, and he heads back downstairs. But the problem is, by this time, the entire living room's engulfed, and now 
the stairway is engulfed in flames. Um, pretty sad stuff. You know, I was only nine, but it does have an impact. Uh, the small ash of the cigarette had turned the house into a blazing tinderbox. And now everything's engulfed in flames. Policemen, as they were arriving, firemen just arriving on scene, report my Uncle Pat running out of the house. His clothes and his skin were on fire. His arms still cradling as though he were carrying his two sons. Their bodies were found at the bottom of the stairwell. My Uncle Pat died a few days later. Here's James' point. Okay, You need that kind of story to get your point across. Here we go. One hot ash from his Marlboro. One less than the size of a dime. One, one ash fell and sparked a roaring inferno that killed my uncle and my two cousins that night. That's, that's the strength, the intensity of what James is telling us here. He's saying our words can burn. Our words can blister. Our words can destroy. They seem small when we speak them, but they spread and they can even kill those that we say we love the most. My Uncle Pat, I promise you, never intended to accidentally kill his two sons that evening. I promise you, my Uncle Pat never intended to see himself be fatally burned. But he wasn't paying attention. You understand? He, was, he wasn't paying attention, and he accidentally killed himself and his boys and wounded and deeply scarred his wife and his daughter for the rest of their lives. They're still alive, still deeply wounded by this incident. Rarely, give me your eyes, rarely do we intend to injure or burn or damage the people around us with our words. I, I don't mean to. Some of us, that's our excuse. I, I don't mean to. It was an accident. It wasn't premeditated. Uh, it wasn't planned. We must recognize that our words are like a loaded gun. You need to pay attention to your mouth because fiery words can defile a home. Words out of control destroy marriages all the time. Permanently scar our children, our friends, our co-workers. Words out of control can even divide and split our church family. You understand that? Words matter. That's what James is shouting at us today. He's not done yet. Go back to the text, chapter 3, verse 7. All kinds of animals... Birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's interesting, as James is writing probably the first New Testament book written, the, the, even back then, they're, they're training, look what he says, they're training birds and reptiles, and they must have had the flipper show going way back then, the, the dolphins being tamed, okay? We know how to train animals, is his point. It's going to take a lot of effort, 
Well, we can train dogs and cats and elephants and orangutans and birds and mice and dolphins and seals. But James says, the tongue? (laughs) It's almost untrainable. It's restless. It's full of poison. It's evil. Without Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you what, our tongues are untamable without the Lord and allowing the Lord to guard our mouths. We bite people. We destroy people. We do great damage. I'd just like you just to pause for a moment and think about some of the deadly words that have been directed at you. Think about, think about some of the words that have harmed and scarred you. And for some of you, those words were said decades and decades ago, but you still can hear them in your ears. You understand? Those wounds, those burns, and you still replay some of those evil words in your head. Words are powerful. The most common form of abuse, it's verbal. And you know that. The most common way that you're beat up and scarred is with somebody with reckless words, just let them fly at you. Now the pointed application. He's going to get real pointed here because he's talking to followers of Jesus here. He's talking to people uh, who he used to pastor. Now they're scattered all over the Roman Empire. And he's also writing to us here today in the church at Walloon, verse 9. It says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Verse 10, out of the same mouth comes praise to Jesus and curses. Uh, Isn't it wild? With it we curse human beings. We curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Uh, My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And the answer is no. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Can grapevines bear figs? Can a cherry tree bear apples? And the answer is no, no. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. When I was attending Grand Rapids School of Bible and Music, that's where I met Denise, I was offered a unique job opportunity. (laughs) Every Monday night, they said, would you like to come and ref a church basketball league? It was made up of Bible and Baptist churches. I'd be the only ref, but they're going to give me 25 bucks to ref three games. Three games, about an hour each, eight bucks an hour, run up and down, blow my whistle, that's a piece of cake. Besides, these were followers of Jesus from really good, solid churches in the area. I says to myself, first night, (laughs) I think they must have known, who's the new guy reffing? I don't know, but we're going to take it. There's yelling, there's screaming, there's pushing, there's profanity, I break up a fight or two the very first night. And we're just getting going. And this went on week after week, week after week. And I'm thinking, surely it's going to get better. 
Never forget one night when uh, the star of one of the teams fouled out. This was interesting because the coach of this team was the pastor. Um, And that was a church that I'd been to a few. So I'd been there on Sundays and heard him preaching. And now I heard the very same preacher and he's he's given it to me. Because now his best player has just fouled out. And he didn't curse, but he, he, how would I say it? He was Christian cursing me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, And he was so angry that his team was losing and their star player was on the bench. I'll never forget this. Um, The game wasn't done yet, and they all stood up and they just left. They left uh, in protest, walked off the court. Uh, jeering and yelling and angry and throw it was bad. So as I read, go back to verses nine through twelve. I think about those Monday night games. Okay, it was it was funny because we're there on the basketball court Monday night, uh, yelling, angry, cheating, tripping, pushing, cursing, usually soft, quiet cursing, kind of under their breath, but ugly stuff going on. When, just the day before, most of those players were in church. Think about it with me. And and they're singing worship songs, and they're singing hymns to Jesus. Some of them sang in the choir. Some of them were in the praise band. I know that some of them taught Sunday school. I know the coach was up there preaching. They're praising Jesus, hearing God's word. Love Jesus. Let's worship Him together. And then the very next day, think of this, Ron, they're yelling at the ref. (laughs) And he's a nice guy, pushing, uh, pushing, screaming, with the very same mouth on Sunday, worshiping Jesus the next night, yelling and screaming and angry at anybody and everybody around them. I'm telling you, here's what James says. My brothers and sisters, last part of verse 10, This should not be. This should not be. Get your mouth under control is his challenge. What's wrong? He's saying a sign of maturity, a sign that you are mature in Christ. I would argue the chief way, how can I know whether I'm growing in Jesus? Do you have your mouth under control most of the time? And the reverse is true a sign of immaturity, a a sign that you you really need to to go and and make every effort is when your mouth is out of control on a daily basis. On most days, at some point, you're harming and saying things you never should have said. It's a sign of immaturity, and, and you really need to start growing. So, let's close today with this question. How do we get a grip on our lips? How on earth, this is pretty, pretty strong, how can we get some control over our deadly tongues? Let me offer you three suggestions as we close. Okay, uh, First is this, talked about this three weeks ago, and I say it again because for me, this is the one that's been the most helpful. Okay, So I'm going to say it again, and it's three weeks since you've heard it, and hopefully... Maybe some of you will say, well, maybe I'll give that a try. Uh, Here is the prayer that I pray the most on a daily basis. Psalm 141, verse 3. 
Jesus, set a guard over Jeff's mouth. Set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door to my lips. I'm telling you, for me, that helps. Because now I'm daily surrendering my mouth, my tongue, to Jesus Christ. Because I know without Jesus taking charge of, of my I I'm probably have a three or four ouncer right here. Uh, if Jesus doesn't take charge, I'm in deep trouble. Lord, help me. Uh, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door to my lips. Here's second suggestion. I reference Romans 12, verse 2. It says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Or don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, so if I'm not going to get squeezed into the world's mold, I need to get my mind renewed. And what I've discovered is one of the chief ways that keeps me from getting my mind renewed is if I keep filling up my mind and my ears with words that my tongue keeps wanting to repeat and pattern itself afterward. Do you understand what I'm saying? So uh, we're supposed to not get conformed to this world, be transformed, become more like Jesus. And now I'm telling you, if we keep consuming and listening to, to words from other people that are ugly and careless and reckless, those same words are going to keep coming out of our mouth. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, I used to consume lots of a certain late night comedian. Um, he had a cynical, sarcastic edge to him, which I thought was hilarious. Okay, So I tried to listen to him Monday through Friday. I won't tell you his name, but it rhymes with better man. I should have been a better man and not listen to David. Yeah, you know who it is. Anyway, I, I literally, and, and I, I thought he was so hilarious. And, and then I started recognizing that some of the same edge and cynicism and sarcastic words were flowing out of this mouth. You understand? So, so I noticed, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm listening to him and... And now I'm starting to repeat it with my mouth. And I recognize, Lord, are you really asking me to not listen? And the Lord made it real clear. Yep, I'm actually asking you to do that. So I had to square off and be a better man and not listen to David anymore. Um, and can I tell you? It was helpful. And slowly that sarcastic, cynical edge started to disappear from this tongue. I recently heard somebody accidentally say a swear word, and, <laughs> and I looked at them, and they looked at me, and they said, oops, too much Netflix. <laughs> and we both laughed, but there was truth there. Do you understand? What was, what was this person saying? They were saying that when you listen to stuff and you think, well, I, I can handle it, um, I'm telling you, it has an effect. And if you're hearing those words again and again and again, they're just naturally going to find their way to your tongue. 
and out of your mouth. To get control of our tongues, we need to start filtering to what words we're listening to other people saying. Third, and we're done. Third suggestion. James' main point here in chapter 3, just as we're nearing the season, November 15th, we walk around the woods, David, with what? Loaded guns. And how do you treat a gun? You treat it with cautious respect. Do you not? Every day, you and I, not just November 15th, every day we walk around with loaded lips. We walk around with loaded gums filled with fire, filled with poison, filled with potential to do great harm, great damage, lasting scars. We can kill and wound and scar with our words. So here it is. Here's the challenge. Start watching and paying attention to your words. Make sure you're you're guarding your tongue. Make sure you're surrendering and asking the Lord to help you watch over your tongue. Because I promise you, most of you are saying, well, I'm not trying to hurt people with my words. It's not my intention. My favorite excuse over the years, I didn't mean to, but you still go ahead and do it, and you're doing great harm. James is saying, be aware just how dangerous your tongue is. Be aware just how much damage we can do with our words. Let's pray together as we close. Lord, would you show us how this specifically, personally applies to us? Because Lord... I believe you have something to say to each of us individually. And we want to hear how this applies to our lives, to our tongues, to the words that we speak to those around us. Speak, Lord. We're listening. you're a follower of Jesus, and the Lord is saying, you know, far too often recently your mouth has been out of control. It's causing damage. Followers of Jesus, our first expectation from God's Word is when you harm somebody, when you sin against them with your words, you go and you make it right. So I guess my first question is this, are you willing to make things right? And if the Lord is pointing out some words that you've said that have caused specific damage, and you've not gone to that person and said, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Are you willing? Willing to go and confess and seek forgiveness? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally as Savior and Lord, first step for you is to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead and it says, and you will be saved. Isn't that great news?
So the first step to victory over reckless tongues is to confess Jesus as Lord. I believe in my heart, Jesus, your Lord, and that God the Father raised you from the dead, and now I want you to bring victory to my mouth, to my life. That's the first step if you don't know Christ as Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking so practically, so clearly, even so bluntly to something so common to us like our tongues, like our words. Would you help us this week, Lord, to be doers of your word? Would you help us to get our faith in gear and start moving, James 1.22? Help us to speak like followers of your son, Jesus. That's in whose name we're praying these things. Amen. Stand together. Ask the Lord to build our lives. Thank you.